Okay, guys, welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host, Natas Rubanas, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Ritis Vishnauskas and Augustas Shlauskas. Welcome on board, guys. What's up? What's new? What's good? What's bad? Uh, the bad thing is the FIBA window, of course. We're talking about FIBA window once again. again. <laughs> five years. We're five years into this new calendar, and for one more time, we will discuss all the absurd situations we'll still have to go through uh, with this competition and with this new format. It's it, it's going to be one of the main topics of this pod. We also have some EuroLeague action first, head coaching firing, uh, highest paid EuroLeague players, and Viktor Vembanyama in his first uh, uh, national team game, senior national team uh, game here actually in Lithuania. Just before we start, a uh, quick reminder to press subscribe button if you didn't yet because from what we know, according to advanced stats, half of our listeners and viewers uh, didn't subscribe our channel yet. So please uh, do it as fast as possible. And of course, don't forget to press like button uh, below this video because it really helps us to grow. So yeah, let's let's start from the beginning. Let's start from exciting things. The b- debut in general was exciting fact. I mean, Victor Vembanyama, probably the best prospect coming of Europe. Uh, best NBA prospect coming off Europe, making his French national team debut in Panevegis in Lithuania, which is which is awesome. What would be your first impressions about this trip and about his uh, arrival? It was awesome. It was awesome, but it happened in the least exciting gym in Lithuania. Just, just from from my point of view, you know, that um, cycling track that that they have velodrome, velodrome, yeah. whatever it is called in English, but. Um, for me, it's just uh, sucks the gravity, sucks the crowd out of the building. And it's it's like you're playing not against 5,000 people, but you're playing like against uh, 500. But I guess it, it didn't really matter. It, it was to... probably, the wor- not probably, it was definitely the worst sellout crowd experience I've ever had. But I was not even surprised by at all because usually, I mean, Panamajis is my hometown. I should be proud of my team. I should kind of, let's, let's see, I should advocate them, but there's nothing to defend. The atmosphere over there is always, basically always just horrible. And I feel bad for the players, for everybody who has to play in that arena because there's just too much space. This, you know, circuit also ruins all the things. Fans are too far from from the uh, court. But at the same time, I have to say that we don't have any support culture, basketball support culture in Panevegis. Mm. We had some successful years with football club. We have some ultras uh, supporting football clubs, but basketball-wise, it was always very, very average atmosphere. And that's that game. Unfortunately, Vambanyama's debut night was in an awful, awful crowd. I don't think the crowd would have been any better in any other Lithuanian city, according to the game. Mm. I mean, that's the- true. National team experience is always uh, different as well. And it also takes Serbia, for example, right? You've been yeah. in Serbia-Greece game, and it's different because they don't have organized supporters. We have some bunch of fans who travel to Europe. I'm not talking World about Cups. that. I'm talking yeah, about uh, the performance. Yeah, yeah. The game is also... I mean, the, the, the support in Serbia was still, you know, yeah. lit. Um, mm. there, was, there was no organized support. Uh, that you can see in uh, Zvezda or Partizan games, but it was still an amazing crowd. But uh, our crowd uh, would also get excited if 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 the team is not winning. losing by twenty. <laughs> uh, the game was terrible 
from Lithuania's perspective, obviously, but people were more or less focused on Viktor Vembanyama than the game itself. Although I love the fact that, once again, just as I saw him in the French League, he doesn't play for his numbers. He just does what needs to be done on the court to help his team get the win. And in the end, you see him with 20 points and 23 uh, performance index rating. So he was really an impact from the very beginning, and I would say his impact was more felt on defense. His presence in the paint uh, put so many doubts in Lithuanian players' heads. They were all the time doubting whether should I attack the paint or not, should I kick the ball out. Uh, some of the high arc shots that were not really they, go- they were good all short. shots. Yeah, they were short. They were barely hitting the rim. So he was adjusting our shots. He didn't block too many shots in this game, I believe. I don't think he even had one block. Yeah, that's right. But you should count how many shots were adjusted by his size and by his length. Uh, So I think that the Lithuanian players were kind of scared of an 18-year-old and and his uh, enormous uh, qualities. He's just bigger you know, by one head than everyone else. So it's just so hard. I can't, and, can't imagine seeing And the length him. of his arms. Again, exactly. not only his his size, but also his wingspan. And at the same time, he's very quick. Just like the players uh, told uh, themselves that you kind of feel free, you kind of feel uh, open, but at the same time, you kind of feel him somewhere. He's like a ghost uh, that that's going to block the shot. And like the head coach, Kastutis Kamsura, told that you can watch videos, you can watch his highlights on, on the internet. But when he's in front of you in the paint, that's that's a different game. And During it really the, impacted Lithuanian's offense. The warm-ups, uh, he was joking with Andrew Albisi, and it's funny to see Albisi standing next <laughs> to Victor. The, the, there was a great crap- caption from our uh, social media team. They they posted a picture of LBC and Venbanyama next to each other. Yeah. And uh, they wrote LBC standing next to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of throws me back to that uh, old school picture with uh, Maxi Boak standing next to Manute Ball. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I love the, the way he approaches uh, every game. I can only imagine you're 18 years old. Uh, Already two years ago, when you were 16, you were a projected number one draft pick for 2023. Uh, all the world is talking about you. The focus is on you. ESPN is following you everywhere you go. Uh, there are articles about you. You're already on the cover of Slam magazine. Um, LeBron is shaking your hand. People in America are, are watching your games. And he's so calm, so chill, like. I don't know if I I would cope with all that pressure and everything that goes uh, with the fame that you're already getting and you didn't even step a foot on an NBA court yet. But mm. he is really relaxed and and he's just going out there to play. Um Vincent Collet obviously has a good relationship with him and it and all the other guys around him from what I'm seeing really enjoy playing with him. And I I would like to single out Sylvain Francisco, a real baller, actually. <laughs> We've seen him in, in uh, the FIBA Champions League or playing for Manresa in Spain. But in this game, he was a pure baller, like Allen Iverson with the French national team jersey, and Lithuanians didn't have anybody to match him. So it's not only about Mbanyama, but just the fact this, that this French team is probably the best team in this FIBA window. 
You could say that, I guess. I, I guess with Vembanyama yeah, as an as, a, as an addition, so everything worked out fine for Vembi and and for the team. And I think some Lithuanian fans that are not really into NBA or into this whole Vembanyama hype witnessed him and probably realized that this this kid is something special. I, th yeah. I think that his calmness comes from uh, hard work uh, because. I had this impression talking to Vincent Collet for almost one hour in in, in, in and I was a bit um, surprised how hyped the coach was about his player. I, I barely remember the coach who is always like pointing, uh, saying that, "Oh, you will see how great he's gonna be." Okay, okay, he's good already, but you'll see how great he will be in the nearest future. Uh, and you know, it felt like he was hyping the player, but at the same time, he also mentioned some some interesting things. Uh, for example, he said that we're talking about his great skills uh, of his game already now, but in like month or two, it might be a whole different conversation because Vembanyama is improving so fast. And he said that he bas he's like a sponge; he improves basically um, by every practice. And although it may sound like a cliche, but there are already some examples. For example, in the uh, beginning of the season, after first three games in the French League, he attempted only seven free throws. And in the four last games, in four last games in the French League, his average uh, free throw shooting attempt uh, was more than eight. And uh, I remember that his career averages of free throws was like 70%, something something below 70. And now he was shooting high volume. Uh, he was a high volume free throw shooter at 90% and in the game against Latwain, I think he was seven of seven. And there he was are- was actually sent to take the technical free throw. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and there are two things uh, behind it, that how much he improved his free throw shooting and also how much confidence uh, he got uh, because he's improving his body. He added some strength, which lets him to play through the contact, which allows him, which gives him confidence to play uh, to play more low post situations, not just uh, shooting three pointers or, or making some mid range shots. So he's improving really fastly. And okay, although you know when when you watch Vambanyama on social media, we're in the social media and highlights era when, where you think that. Then when Manyama comes, it feels like every play has to be the highlight reel. And then when you watch him play, you see that he's forcing this shot, maybe he's forcing that shot, maybe he's getting exposed in some team defense uh, situations. You see him really having a hard time to catching his breath when he's subbed out for the first time uh, in the first quarter. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, he's 18-year-old kid. Uh, making his French national team uh, debut with all this hype around, with all this outside noise. And he's leaving the court after three quarters with 20 points, nine rebounds. With him on the floor, French national team outscores Latvia by 25 points. So this is just incredible. And the best part is that he's just improving so fastly. And what we saw tonight, he will be completely different in, in month and two, and he will be just even more enormous, let's say. I think he only forced like one shot. From what I remember, there was only one sequence where he really took a bad decision offensively. He's playing to his strengths that are his strengths right now. In five-year uh, time, he might change, but right now he's not going to beat uh, other centers by posting them. No. So, so he's just playing above the rim, doing what he does best. Yeah. He For me, it's just how serious he is. I mean, not even the game starting. You see his uh, warm-up routine. 
And you know, like Riti said, when you are 18 and all the world is following you and you are the next phenomenon and you are the next, the chosen one, whatever you say. And he just goes through the same warm-up routine for the same warm-up drills every day. And you could easily be, you know, chill and, and you know, say, I don't need that. I'm, you know, I'm already good. Uh, I, I could skip this. For me, that part uh, stands out. And uh, also, you know, talking about the free throws, Lithuanians actually were trying to uh, push him every time as much as possible because that's the, you know, the last or remaining uh, weakness of, of, of Victor. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it seemed like the refs are allowing more contact against him because he is just so tall and so big. So like you can push him around and only at the third push, he is getting the foul called just mm -hmm. because he's bigger than anybody else. And he's still getting to the line like seven, seven or eight times uh, during the game. And uh, the moment to remember for me was uh, when I think uh, Albisi or someone from, from French national team was shooting a free. And uh, at the moment of the shot when Banyama was standing on the free point line, it was after a switch. So the ball is going to the rim and he is going, and Banyama is going to the rim and he just gets offensive rebound immediately. Like he covers seven meters. Yeah in basically one second and then with one hand like this just with the left hand taps back the offensive rebound scores two points his size is something next level that's you know? what i wanted to ask which one was your favorite was it the finger roll was it the i had i have these two <laughs> alley-oop or or was it the off the backboard pass to himself mm. to me it was the finger roll it's pretty spectacular because it's not like we haven't seen a player that is 220 before. Yeah. We've seen plenty of them, but none of them were really skilled. Mm. And when you see a guy that's in a mismatch situation, he gets the ball sort of awkwardly more on his left hand, but then he switches to his right and he just finishes like this. Like this. With a finger roll. That is spectacular. And there were like three seconds remaining. And you yep. usually, if it's like three seconds remaining, you don't pass the ball into the post because it takes yeah. more than three seconds to score. But for him, it's just one dribble. And then it's something like that yeah. and you can score. It's and incredible. my second favorite moment was um, that is dedicated to the whole team, not only to, to Wemby. Uh, when Francisco is driving to the paint, he is uh, throwing the ball to Inglis, and Inglis already knows that mm. he's going to throw the alley-oop to, to Mbanyama because he's going to be there above the rim. It's just pure basketball when you have three players connected like this and just with two touches, you get an alley-oop and easy, easy points. So these are my favorite uh, moments, but there were some others, obviously. And in the second half, I, I sort of... Um, accepted that Lithuania is going to lose the game. I didn't see actually any any chance for us to make a comeback. So I just decided I'm going to enjoy Mbanyama for one more quarter because in the fourth quarter, he's probably not going to be there on the court, which eventually happened because we got beat by 25. By the way, alley-oops to yourself in Europe are not kind of, it's not in the rule book. You can't really do that. You mean off the but backboard? Was it only kind of accidental? Alley I, mean, but I don't know if I don't know if it, it was accidental. Like it was. But if the refs, uh, <laughs> yeah, if the refs didn't call it, then it's okay. If, if the refs uh, believe that you were taking a shot 
and it just didn't hit the rim, then you are allowed to touch mm-hmm. the ball again. It's an interesting point, but... But I, I just see him doing this. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it's not the first time. It you looked know. like it was on purpose. So, I mean... I thought it was on purpose. If it's on purpose, then it's a travel, right? In Europe, probably. In is. Europe, it is. In NBA, it should be. In NBA, it is not. For, for, that's for sure. Well, it gives him a huge advantage if he's allowed to do that yeah. all the time. But I think it was written as a missed field goal. Offensive rebound. and Offensive rebound, mm. and then he was fouled. Yeah. Or, or did he dunk? I don't remember. No, he was he, he was, was fouled. fouled. He yeah. was fouled. So if if we think about it this way, <laughs> then it's fine. But if if it's on purpose, then it should be called. We'll see how it goes. Um he's gonna be in the NBA, so he will be allowed to throw self alley oops. And that's just <laughs> cheat cheat code, you know. Come on. One of the biggest highlights of Vemby's trip to Lithuania was the way he was handle, handling media. First of all, I'm I'm really grateful from my side that actually France national team made him available because as we saw in the Eurobaskets, Nikola Jokic never showed up in the press conference. That we had Luka Doncic like for three times, Yanis only once. So I'm I'm a little bit biased by it. How but long how long till he gets gives you uh, the Jokic and the Luka treatment? After first NBA season after probably <laughs> something like that. But, but I hate it because of because I mean. Yanis, for example, he's a nice guy. Yeah. It's not yeah. like we're talking about some arrogant yeah, yeah, superstar yeah. that doesn't want to be bothered. The problem is that What's sometimes that? press officers are these arrogant son of bitches who, who try to block the presence or they think that they're helping, um, you know, protecting the player or something. And sometimes it has nothing to do with, uh, with the players. But anyway, I mean, French national team, uh, they surprised me that they actually made Vembanyama available already for the pregame comments and not just like for two and three questions like in Spain. We have like Sergio Scariola in Eurobasket before before important uh, game in the playoffs and they say, okay, two questions for Sergio Scariola. You cannot get any good information from two questions. So I had Vembanyama for five minutes. Okay, I was surprised that there was nobody else from Lithuanian media coming to the practice nobody showed up nobody except from the cameraman from one of the televisions and that's all so i was like i actually prepared like two or three questions i mean when you get that kind of status player uh available for for some short comment uh short interview you, you know that is going to be from two to three minutes and with some more colleagues at the best case you're gonna have like two or three questions so i kind of mm. prepared it and i'm like okay there's nobody here maybe <laughs> they thought you know that the practice will finish uh, later so that's why they didn't come in yet but for sure they're gonna be here and nobody was there with bonus shorts yeah it was kind of you know uh unexpected you shouldn't complain you had the opportunity to do exclusive content one-on-one yeah, yeah, conversation. It, it's it's different when you kind of prepare for the five-minute conversation and when it's different when you have like two, three questions prepared. And I, I was just disappointed in general by our media's approach. We're getting, as I mentioned, the best uh, NBA prospect coming of Europe and nobody comes to the practice. Maybe because they didn't expect that he's going to be available, which usually happens. But in the press, in the post-game press conference, it, also, it happened the same. again links to, to the fact that it wasn't Panevejis. If it's in Kaunas or Vilnius, we, we would have some more media. But I mean, it's just hour and 15 minutes away from Vilnius. And we have a lot of journalists from Panevejis, so you can easily organize the weekend trip to your hometown. 
I mean, I, I, I believe that we have journalists from point of view basically from every uh, biggest uh, website in Lithuania. So it, it wasn't that difficult. It's not like to go to Klaipeda, you know, on a free hour mm. drive. But again, the call, your other colleagues, they go to the game to cover Lithuania, not Vembi. And that's why they are sent to it. cover this Lithuanian team. Come on. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter. It's it's Lithuania national team, and whether they play in Klaipadot in Panevežys, uh, the media will be there during the game. Pre-game, not necessarily. And yeah, it, probably for some, it was a missed opportunity to speak with Vembanyam and maybe ask some questions. But Anyway, what I, what I wanted to say that I was... Not kind of surprised. I already watched his a lot of uh, of his interviews uh, before, but it's it's really rare to listen to eighteen year old kid putting his, his ideas and thoughts just in a, such a thoughtful uh, thoughtful way. Uh, he's not pissed with the questions yet, so he tries to be uh, original. He tries to think about some of the questions. Uh, uh, he's he's very confident. I mean, I really didn't expect that. He will say that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, I, as, as Shaq mentioned that, uh, I, I want to see the real test of Mbanyama when he's gonna face some b- very strong uh, bigs uh, of the NBA like Zion, Nikola Jokic, and 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 others. And he said, I was like, okay, he's gonna say something like, I have one year to prepare for that challenge, and I'm on on my way. No, he said that I'm ready right now. So okay, I was like, okay, okay, and that was not the first confident answer by Mbanyama, but. Uh, the way he handles the media, the way he tries to be interesting, and you can see there's a lot of education behind that, uh, a lot of IQ behind uh, all of his answers, and it also explains why he's so great at basketball, uh, why he's getting all the information like a sponge and improves uh, practice by practice. So it was it was my highlight, let's say, of, of, of his trip here. So yeah, uh, that's all about Wemby's time in Lithuania. Some like Steph say that he looks like a player from a 2K, uh, but we have some uh, real nice uh, gaming suggestion, which is World of Warships. Uh, it's a free historical online combat PC game from Wargaming with its massive fleet of most iconic war vessels, including five different ship classes and a strategically designed environment. World of Warships provides the ultimate naval warfare gaming experience suitable for everyone. So thanks to its largest collection of historically accurate ships available to play, World of Warships prides itself as a digital ship museum and a focal point for naval history enthusiasts. New thematic content and innovative game modes are being added on a regular basis, providing the diverse and exciting gameplay to its broad player base. So World of Warships uh, is also available on PlayStation and Xbox, and also World of Warships Blitz on iOS and Android mobile devices. Uh, you can find the link um, of, of the game in our description and let's continue uh, with basketball. Let's or continue with is something it basketball anti basketball. It's still basketball related, but it's probably anti basketball. But it's Ergen, Ergen Ataman playing uh, chess. And he it, denies that. And it was just one of the moments uh, of this FIBA window. We saw Partizan playing basically with six players against Olympiakos. Uh, we, we saw Itudis complaining and you know playing and being in one place uh, one night and the other uh, another night. I mean, this 
FIBA window, especially starting with Ataman and Misic's story, was just another example how absurd the system is. I mean, how can you have the situation where the head coach of the national team can impact the roster of the rival national team <laughs> playing one of the most important uh, games for the qualification to the World Cup. And it's it just it's just terrible. I mean, in in by all means. And I try to check, I try to make us some research, and that's true that you know, sometimes uh I know some clear examples where NBA players say that okay, let's just please make this announcement that club uh, doesn't want uh, somebody to go to the national team. Although the truth is that actually the player wants to get some rest, but he doesn't want to look bad in the you know, uh, in in the picture of his uh, basketball uh, fans. From what I understood, Vasily Misic really wanted to play, really wanted to help Serbia in a in a tough situation in his group, and there was a mutual feeling that uh, he will be allowed to play, and the denial came at the every uh, at the very end and uh after that uh, after turkey played uh i'm not sure about the t specific okay, timing the but timing. i mean it's it was like a few days before uh he was about to go uh, he was told that no it's a, it's a no-go and it is actually said there is some, something like a joke in in istanbul that ergin ataman even controls who's available for media or not for one-on-one -on -one interviews, for all these interview requests. Uh, the same in Turkish national team in, in FS. Uh, but from what I've heard, it was not just Ataman's call. There's an owner, there's a front office behind it, but of course, Ataman's impact on, on, on this decision, uh, let's say, was, was, was really important. But, but it's, it doesn't even, even really matter. You know, it's, Turkish, it's a Turkish team. So obviously they are all the, the fans of, of their national team. Yeah. So they want them to qualify for the World Cup. And uh, the funny part is, uh, I mean, I haven't checked the information, but La Giornata Tipo, the Italian blog that's writing about basketball said that Bugrahan Tuncer is playing for Turkey today or, or whenever is the today. game. Today, yeah. today. And uh, Vasilya Mitis, who they are both playing for Anadolu Efes, cannot play. So how, they, these are two players playing for one team, but one can play today and the other I wish Shane Larkin available. was available. I wish Shane Larkin was not injured. <laughs> I would like, I would love to see the situation where he is joining Turkish national team and Vasily Misic is not actually. And don't forget that this is a question if, you know, Yanis Antetokounmpo is in the World Cup, if Nikola Jokic is in the World Cup, if, uh, you know, Alperen Şengün and all the all other Turkish NBA players are, are in this cup. So you're not only talking about Serbia or, or Greece or yeah. Turkey making it, you're talking about the, one of the biggest international basketball stars that you are involving in this situation. I just love that Jagodic, Kurija and Bugrahan Tuncer will decide whether Jokic or, or Şengün plays. plays in the World Cup. How, how good the I, World I Cup will be. I just love it. Man, <laughs> we've been talking about this tragedy for a while, but I see that right now everyone erupted. All the coaches are, are talking. We have Euroleague coaches working for the national team, so they are being very vocal. We heard Itudi speaking. We've heard even someone like Luka Banki speaking. He's coaching Latvia. Latvia qualified for the first time they are already in, the, in, in history for the World Cup. Still, we've heard comments from Luka Banki being very unhappy with this whole basketball situation in Europe. 
By We've heard Gianmarco Pozzeco being very emotional. Aito Garcia Renesas, who doesn't have anything to do with the national team basketball, he, all this, he also yeah. said that it's, it's bullshit. So for the first time, everyone's speaking. It's not just us, the media, complaining. Not just players complaining in private discussions. It's people speaking publicly, people with authority, uh, coaches, players, other representatives. And it's a good thing that they are speaking. But from FIBA's side, crickets. From EuroLeague's side, crickets. Silence. And this, like makes me realize we're living in a world where um, these organizations, these people care about everyone except the players and the fans. Well, the players and the fans are not re- really important to the game of basketball. It's it's about those people with suits that s- sit in front of a table and discuss uh, some ideas and how are we going to share the budget this year. The players suffer. Even those that arrive to the national teams. This is not normal that Melik Mahmutoglu on Thursday has a career high in EuroLeague and on Friday he's playing against Belgium. It's it's, it's not normal. Uh, the, these athletes are being treated like some puppets. And it's not just the problem is with the EuroLeague because many people would say, especially from FIBA, oh, if EuroLeague would make this window free for us so all the EuroLeague players would be fresh, they could help the team. But come on, I mean, we're still missing the best players yes. and they play in NBA. It Nobody's questioning the NBA. Yeah. And I completely agree, agree with Dimitri Satoudis that everybody's making a pressure to the EuroLeague. But I mean, you cannot imagine the Eurobasket without Luka Doncic, Yanis, Jokic, um, even Lauri Markkanen, I mean, who, who made uh, this bronze Wagner, medal for Germany? Wagner, Schroeder. Uh, many, many I mean, names. so we cannot exclude them from, from this as well because as I mentioned, some other guys, uh, they're deciding if if Yanis, if Jokic, if, if Doncic will be in the can you imagine main competition. F- for example, can you imagine that some average low-key players would be fighting for Lionel Messi to play in the World Cup? Like now, Argentina is playing. Argentina the, would be in a riot. They're playing the most important game uh, of mm-hmm. the qualification, but they don't have their best players. So now, some average local league players will decide whether Messi plays in the World Cup or not. This is what we have in basketball. We're talking about Yanis, uh, like the best player in the world right now. I I agree with this opinion mm, to the most part, and. He doesn't have any influence on what happens in these qualifications, except from that one window that happened before the Eurobasket when he played against Serbia, which was an awesome game of basketball. I, I wish we would have more games like that. So it's it's terrible. And, and the um, idea that everything will be fixed with EuroLeague players is not fair because no. we have teams that depend on their NBA stars so much. For example, if you bring EuroLeague players to the to the qualifiers, some teams are improving, but then it's bigger trouble yeah. for Slovenia. Yeah, exactly. La- Latvia is not also qualified yet because you know, yeah, Porzingis yeah. and uh, yeah. So Sl- Slovenia, they don't have too many EuroLeague players. So other teams add, for example, their rivals Serbia, mm-hmm. Turkey, Germany, whatever. They start adding EuroLeague players. What do Slovenia add? Yeah. Nothing. They have more or less the same roster, and they're without Luca. Luca is like fifty percent of the team. 
No, 50. I'm being generous <laughs> yeah. to the other guys. Very respectful. <laughs> so come on, either we have the best players or we don't have the system at all. And I was speaking with some people from FIBA in 2017 during the uh, Eurobasket in, in, in Tel Aviv. We had this like round table discussion with the media. And their idea was that the fans deserve to see national team during the season. This is why we're going to have these windows because the national team is more important than the club. Speak with Lithuanian people. Is this national team that played in Panevežiji is more important than Žalgiris right now? Yeah, they could have two games in Kolnas, one in Kolnas Sports Hall and one in Žalgir Arena and put the Euroleague game also at the same I mean, time. Stop pretending. Stop pretending that this is for the fans. They also said that they're going to grow the level of this mid-level basketball players pool, but players won't get better by two games playing in FIBA windows. And they also, they're so happy that they're growing all these smaller basketball countries with this basketball system. But again, it it, it goes uh, under the unfair rules that you're yeah. putting for the whole team. So I just... I just really don't get it. I mean, it would be great to see Yanis and the Tokumbo playing in Greece in November. It would be just amazing. But if he's not there, I mean, it's, it's not it's possible. Just pointless because there is. It's not possible because exactly. there is NBA. So and nobody's questioning the NBA. And and with this window, you know, <laughs> there was, you know, to me it seemed like FIBA and the Euroleague were trying to get along because uh, Sergio Scariolo, like Virtus Olympia game. Uh, was played earlier, so Scariolo could could be there on uh, on Friday. Uh, some other games were changing times, or just so so some players could be some Euroleague players or coaches can be in some of the games, or at least fifty percent of these two games. But as you can see now from this Turkey Serbia situation, you know you thought that it's going to make the situation more fair, in, and instead what you are getting is the situation is even more unfair when you are having this dialogue. So. Uh, it just it just tells that there is no you know middle point of dialogue here. You either have to you know do it like this, continue doing like you did before with no Euroleague and NBA players, or you have to just cancel these windows. But so far there are n any indications that it, this format could be changed. So that's that's a number of painful. Wait part wait, of the wait, conversation. Un wait until there is no Nikola Jokic or or Giannis in one World Cup, and then you know you might see the changes because. Because FIBA is, you know, FIBA wants to have all the best players in 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 your competition, and if you if you don't have them, in your competition level of your competition goes down. Yeah, and we already had a tournament without Luka Doncic, without Kristaps Porzingis, and you can imagine. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis by that time was a huge player, and I mean, we already had this this already. I could compare compare of the these format. FIBA windows to like fake merchandise you can buy on some markets like you have fake nikes <laughs> and fake adidas so in 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 the fiba windows you have fake serbia fake greece uh, fake lithuania fake teams like these are big teams you know mm -hmm. that spain they're european champions lithuania has so many medals serbia mm. with all these accolades and these are big names but then you click on the roster whoa who's this dude mm. where's he from Oh, he's making his national team debut at the age of 33. Nice, good for him. Even this Vembanyama's debut for the national team, it's not the same if he was playing next to Rudy Gobert, sure. Evan And Fournier. it's just a, co it's just a fake it's just debut. just a coincidence that Vembi is not yet in the NBA, <laughs> yeah. and this season he decided to not play in the EuroLeague, so he became available. Yeah. Vincent Collier convinced him that it's the right time mm. for you. 
to play play in the national team and FIBA, obviously, they are so happy. They're blessed. Oh, my God, Mbanyama is going to play and we're going to have all the coverage. <laughs> and in, even these EuroLeague players and these teams, they made some compromises to make players available just because many of these big countries, they had their you know asses burning because of the standing situation. So that's why they just started to make some moves to make them available. I mean, it just, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Nothing to add, probably. Uh, we just all Euroleague? wait to somehow to this nightmare uh, to be end. Yeah, Euroleague. Th th we still have some nightmares in the Euroleague, right? <laughs> yeah, talking about nightmares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one do you want to start? Riti texted me uh, after fun. the game. He was he was com commenting on the Lithuanian TV. It was like. The worst two hours of the week was <laughs> was Olympia Milano Virtus game. Oh I was watching. Ritis was uh, had to comment commentate the game. So this was so was bad, like, oh man. It was so bad. I don't know. What, what were your lowlights of the game? Uh, I don't all, know, the 40, all forty minutes. The forty minutes. <laughs> I don't know, man. This like, fuck. I don't know what to say. I, I was kind of excited before the game. I I did think that it's not going to be pretty because uh, because of how they play. It's going to be a defensive minded game with with a limited number of possessions. Blah blah blah. But okay, you can Still. have a, a low scoring game with quality. Oh, come on. Not the case in Milan. Man. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> the only. The only highlight I would say is that Milos Teodosic managed to hit some crazy yeah. shots and, and basically he led Virtus eventually. But both teams on that night would have lost against the other 16 clubs in the Euroleague. I mean, Virtus had at least, you know, somewhat strong defense. Yeah. I like their performance defensively. Yeah, fair you, enough. you could fair say enough. that this was the highlight of the game, you know, Virtus' mm -hmm. defensive performance. Man, but Milan, it just. But Milan is just. It looks like somebody sucked out all the confidence from Devon Hall. But not only him. Not Kevin only Pan him, but Melly. Melly is not shooting the basketball. I don't know why. Players are hesitating to shoot. They they are lacking confidence. Uh, they're not making quick decisions. Uh, they're always doubting themselves. I don't know why this is happening with Milan. I mean, when when we're talking about the confidence, in many cases, it actually starts from from the head coach. I mean, if the player. Um, you know, if he's afraid to be subbed after one mistake, whether it's a bad shot, whether it's a, some turnover, there are some coaches, like for example, Sharuna Sisikavichus, they don't uh, afford you to make mistakes. But nobody's subbing Devon Hall, like he's, he was playing all the second half. He mm. plays most minutes on, yeah. on, on yeah. Milan roster and this his, season. His percentages coming into this game were like two, per, two and three point percentages were lower than 20, both. But I mean, in, in some cases, really, this lack of confidence starts from the head coaches. Yeah, for uh, sure. yeah so I mean. But we, I don't think that's the case with Milan. I, I, I think that it might be one of the reasons. It cannot be just, just the main reason that Ettore Messina is some, some like tyrant. They, or they are uh, on catch and shoot uh, field goals, they are 11 for 41 <sighs> in Euroleague terrible. on catch and shoot in three home games. In three home games, they're 11 for 41 on catch and shoot. Catch and shoot is like the shot you are looking at. If you are in you know, the offense, you are looking for a catch and shoot free nowadays because it's probably one of the most coveted shots in basketball right and now. And it's not like they don't have shooters. No. I'll give them that. They're playing without Billy Barron, Siobhan Shields. Uh, it's hard. Gigi Yeah. 
it's hard. But still, this is a group of veterans. We're not talking about a young team. Mm. You can expect some rookies to have slumps and be inconsistent and have these nights. This is a veteran team. I don't get it. Why? Why it's so bad? Like, I'm not talking about about the standings. You can be three and four in the Euroleague. It's fine. The Euroleague is very tough. But the performances, especially at home in Mediolanum, are just miserable so far. I, you know, let me plug in my article that I did oh, yeah, for you, you B- did BN great Plus. Uh, breakdown on BN Dude. Plus. But uh, you can read it on BN Plus uh, about, you know, I tried to dissect why M- Milan is playing such terrible offensively. Uh, you can read it only if you are subscribed to our pl- Plus pl- platform. And uh, for me, it was just, uh, you know, also too many extra passes. Did you did you notice mm-hmm. that? Like players are, we are talking about why they're not, there's not, not, they don't have enough confidence. Players are hesitant to shoot. Like sometimes it's, they're trying to play San Antonio away because it's Ettore Messina there. And, you know, he he's trying to instill that one more pass, try to look for a great shot instead of a good shot. And players are just passing one, two, three times too much. And, you know, Virtus and especially Scariolo teams are really good at flying around the court and and closing out hard. So after two extra passes, you just don't have advantage anymore. And then Deshaun Thomas has to shoot a contested catch-and-shoot uh, last-second three-pointer, which obviously, you know, he, he misses. So for me, it's... Uh, I lack... Uh, from what I see, I... Milano lacks creativity for me. They they are not scoring any easy points at all. After timeouts, I don't know uh, the exact stats, uh, how they are ranked in the league. Maybe you can check really fast right now. But uh, there is no easy points to get the team going, you know. And there there is always the same pick and middle pick and roll or middle pick and pop with Melly. And then it's read and react. But if you are not confident enough and you don't have Chacho Rodriguez, who is so creative and can score in a variety of ways, you know, nothing happens. And then they're forcing shots late in, in the end of shot clock, so. Yeah. The system that they're playing is very dependent on uh, the playmakers. Like it's, it's really dependent on individual yes. skill and creativity, so basically. The best season with Messina, with this system, with this idea was uh, when they had Punter as a scorer, they had healthy Malcolm Delaney, and they had healthy Chacho Rodriguez. Who can just score in bunches, you know, have these five-minute sparks, crazy runs. Because defensively, they are fine right now. You cannot say they they have problems with defense. No. But Kevin Pangos is not as sharp as he he was uh, playing for Xavi Pasquale a couple of years ago. Devon Hall has some issues. Billy Barron is hurt. Shavon Shields is out. And these two are Who's huge. Who's going to create? These two are huge because Shields is really good in these read and react situations yeah. because he is just so good individually. And Billy Barron, I saw a lot of sets that when he's on the court, Messina runs a lot of offense through him. Yeah. And now that he's not here, it's always, you know, Kevin Pangos, middle pick and roll, and you're just stuck in there. Yeah. And Deshaun Thomas can find a, can buy a shot in, in the post-up situations. Melly is hesitant to shoot. Brandon Davies also still doesn't seem like the good old Brandon Davies. And let me remind you that after the first quarter, Milan was leading 23-12. It's not like Virtus is the sharpest tool in the shed, <laughs> but all of a sudden, Milos started hitting 
really difficult shots, especially the buzzer beater at the end of the of the second quarter. He finished five from six. He hit the dagger in the fourth quarter that actually closed the game. Yeah. And Virtus did find some transition points, some easy points with Shengelia having some good moments in the game. Uh, they they were not spectacular. They were far from that, but they were better at least in this game. And actually, this was the second um, Italian derby this season because the first one was in the Super Cup. It was, it was it was the same. The same 59-59. It went to the overtime. It w- these two are the worst matches of basketball I watched this season. The last time uh, Virtus and Armani met, uh, Olympia Milano, I should say, met in Europe was 25 years ago. I believe it was mm-hmm. 1997. Yeah. So now in 2022, they decided to play some 1997 <laughs> basketball. Yeah, Milan is ninth uh, by uh, points after timeouts per possession. And they're also in unguarded shots, creating unguarded shots. They're sixth. Which is kind of good. But I mean, they're missing them. But the problem is Against that they're Real missing Madrid, them. Uh, they made all the impossible and hard shots in the first half, and they exactly. missed all the open shots in the second half. Exactly, yeah. And that was a very good point uh, by you about um, overpassing, because we're always praising the extra pass, but not every time the extra pass is needed. So overpassing can become a problem if you have a habit of not looking to the rim, not being aggressive, but always thinking about who's in the corner so I could swing mm. the ball to him. And I agree with you that this is uh, this was at least a problem in this game. Yeah, I just I want to see how it go, you know, how Messina is trying to solve this situation because it's been seven games and you know already last season they were fifteenth in offensive rating. So. Yep. You need to score at least some if you want to win games. You can't expect to keep every opponent at that 60-point mark. You know, they're scoring at this rate right now. Probably the only reaction might be the signing. Signing somebody to replace Shawan Shields because one of the main excuses he can have is, you know, I'm, I'm missing my top scorer of the team. Who can but I don't think there's a player himself. on the market that is going to step in that locker room and fix all the problems in one week. I don't... You still need Devon Hall. You still need that yeah. Nicola Melli to deliver. They have to start playing. Kevin Pangos needs to be better. Kevin Pangos and the mistakes he did in this game, it, it was one of the kind. I mean, it, it really felt like somebody just sucked up his all the talent. I, I remember I was just reading the Lamar Odom's book recently, and he said that after, after coma, when he tried to play in this big free league, when he just stepped on the court, he felt that he lost all of his talents, all of his skills. He couldn't dribble the ball the way he he was probably because of some consequences he had. So it looked like Pangos had some kind of coma in that game because, it, because the guy just couldn't uh, dribble the ball. But actually, when I thought about Kevin Pangos and his success in the EuroLeague, uh, we can remember that he became all EuroLeague first or second team player in Jargiris after one really first really tough season for him in Konas, where many people actually questioned if he's the mm. yearly level point guard. Okay, he, he blossomed in the second year, but then he, he went to Barcelona and he didn't have a good time over there. In Zenit, uh, he kind of become that kind of point guard that, that you might think that, oh, he's a game changer for any yearly team. So it's kind of signing him, oh, what an amazing uh, signing. Now he will the championship for you. But when you look at his season, even at his season in, in Zenit, the 
first 10 games, they were not easy at all. He had some horrible nights and at least 33% of these games were tough. So it's not like Kevin Pangos, we, we might idolize him too much that, oh, he, he might solve all the problems and now he will make Milan Final Four team for sure. He's also the player who requires some kind of adjustments, some kind of systems like Xavi Pascal found him in, in his own, let's say. I just miss Chacho Rodriguez there, <laughs> man. It was so nice to see him with Milano jersey. He just was. came came off the bench, you know. You you know that for the next seven minutes, your your offenses will be fine. You know, why they still ended up as the fifteenth team by the offensive rating last year. Yeah, but, you know, he, he wasn't playing. He was playing like twenty three minutes, I would guess, right now. Mm. On average, he wasn't starting even so. Well, he's 36 now. Yeah. For yeah. him, it's you probably expect a, a good move to come, go back to Madrid where uh, he will not be the one who carries the whole team. He will just be a, a solid veteran who helps the team. And still have the same chances to win. Exactly. Early. Exactly. If Messina was coaching in, in Belgrade, was he already fired mm, in Red Star? Three or four? I don't think so. It's... Hard to compare a big budget team like yeah. Milan and and a small budget team like Zvezda. I think that the, the main difference we sometimes might forget is that Zvezda they don't have the A license. They're not yeah. sure if they're gonna stay in the Euroleague. So sometimes oh, they need to win the A League, right? A League. And from what I remember, it's not like guaranteed that you're gonna play there. At least it gives you in some kind of gives you some kind of advantage to get a wild card. But it's not like a mm. lock for the Euroleague. Okay. So they might be quicker with some decisions. They cannot be as patient as Alba, Jalgiris, or any other club because if they see that the, the train is going off the track, I mean they need some moves to fix the situation because in the end of the season these losses against Zadar in Abu League might count uh, a lot. So there is some point, there is some argument behind this move, but still I think that it was, it was just too early. Okay, they were like one six uh, at the start of the Euroleague season, but when you look at their schedule, they played only two home games and they won off one of these uh, home games uh, against Bayern. Okay, they lost to Panathinaikos. And it's a bad result considering that they are also having a tough uh, season. But other than that, they lost to really nice teams. Even the last game against Fenerbahce. I think that Red Star, they were competitive enough in that game because Fenerbahce is playing just amazing basketball. It was a pure joy to uh, to watch them sharing the ball in some situations. They're making extra passes, but these extra passes led them in situations where actually they lead the Euroleague by unguarded uh, field goal uh, shooting. So... Well, I think Fenerbahce against Vesda, they were pretty bad by their standards. By their, uh, yeah, by their standards. Especially in the first half. In the second half, they got better. They found Melih Mahmutoglu, who became the prolific scorer in this game, actually. And he took all the minutes uh, away from Carson Edwards. <laughs> Last two games, he has been dominant. Yep. And Carson Edwards didn't play a, a single minute. Uh, but yeah, Zvezda... Well, they did what they can. They had a very short rotation because of injuries. Uh, everything was uh, put on Vildosa and Nedovic. And they they had some help from the big guys, Bentil, Petrushev, Kuzmich. And firing the head coach, I mean, I could see that happening. I thought that probably Vladimir Jovanovic was going to be one of the coaches uh, to be replaced during the season. But then at the same time, I just don't get it. Why would you even start with a young, mm -hmm. inexperienced coach 
if you don't put any trust to him like if your trust finishes after seven games what, what do you expect like a young head coach is gonna start doing miracles from the beginning of the season with with this roster he started the season without nedovic Vildosa only arrived during the exactly. season they had a bad signing an, yeah. an unsuccessful signing let's say with uh what was his name jalen adams yeah jalen adams. he's kind yeah. of you know so you're supposed to be a main point guard he cannot put all these losses down simply to the coach okay now you're going for experience dushko ivanovic mm. why didn't you hire dushko from the beginning why would you even start with a 38 year old head coach with with that barely any experience at this level and it's not the first time when they're firing the young coach you can remember dushan olimpievich also yep. uh, had this uh, experience in, in red star but it feels like red star they're always trying to find some young next genius but they end up finishing the season with dushan shakota dushko ivanovich some some other very experienced uh, experienced head coach and the problem is that from what i heard about uh, vlado ivanovich is that there was already a feeling that he might that he is on a hot seat and that he might be fired after the following uh, game like few weeks ago so they lost the trust very early so it 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 means that it has it probably one of the reasons is that that maybe there was no connection be between the front office the gm and the head coach or the head coach just couldn't handle this yearly greek experience or couldn't handle the locker room but it's it's really surprising that they, they made this move so early you know i'm an advocate of patience and not changing the head coach so early into the season but if they started really like as, as you say donatus they started to you know these rumors started even a couple of games before for me it could be only one thing like the coach didn't want the confidence in the locker room to me it could be only one thing and i could kind of see it you know on the court it's hard to see because it might be players you know just tendencies to relax on defense or you know not executing the set plays until the end you know these could be you know on the coach or it, it could also be uh player player tendencies but uh i don't know what would you what Cervenas Vesda expects uh from their results you know we know they're not the most uh rich team in the in the Euroleague so what results are you expecting I know one six sounds bad but you've changed a lot of players you had Nemanja Nedovic one of your most Im important players injured what would have been a, a result that would have kept the job for uh Jovanovic three and four but you have played a lot of games away also so didn't look possible to have three and four seeing their schedule uh basically firing the coach in this situation is like admitting your own mistake to me it's not about Vlada Jovanovic doing something wrong to me it's about Zvezda the management admitting that they made a mistake yeah because how else should I see this they hired a rookie coach they trusted him they built a new team they they've changed a lot of players from last season and now in November they're firing the head coach and they're bringing in someone with with a lot a lot of experience like like Dusko Ivanovic so this is Zvezda's management saying we messed up Dusko please fix this yeah you know and I wish wish Vladimir Jovanovic good luck in his career like Dusha Olimpievich for example is, yeah. is now having a pretty solid career so I hope 
Vlado Jovanovic will have at least some, have some success in the, in the future. And what happened here could have, a, it probably would have happened with any other coach. Yeah, and they're 15th by the offensive rating. They're also 15th by the defensive rating. And we all know Dusko Ivanovic being this defensive mind, mind and head coach. Do you think that this roster really fits Ivanovic and his coaching? I don't know. I mean, I don't know about Jovanovic. I, I don't have any idea about his philosophy, the way he sees the game. Dusko Ivanovic, he's going to put emphasis on discipline, of course. He, he wants to control his players. Uh, you will not see Luka Vildoza walking around on defense, or <laughs> probably not. Did he <laughs> coach? Less. Did he coach Vildoza in in Basconia before he left? So mm, I think so. Yeah. I mean, he was in Basconia so many times. He, yeah. They, they, <laughs> these two, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Should have met before. So, and when you're talking about these defensive offensive ratings, and in Zvezda's case, it's not like they have fifteenth offensive rating because of bad coaching. It's just because of their roster. What can you expect? Yeah, uh, I believe that with Nedovic and Vildosa, you have certain qualities and you can win some games. They should, you... they should, you know, their offensive rating should grow. I think, in my eyes, at eye. least a little bit, because Nedovic would have hasn't played for all for all the games. Yeah, but defensively, I don't see this. Uh, at least their starting lineup being. Uh, it's hard because they're playing with centers like Petrushev and now Kuzmich also played. So you will have problems with pick and roll defense uh, if you play with them. And Hassan Martin is only covering some limited minutes. You need to at year, the four. Even though last year Kuzmich, you know, with Radonjic there, they were like, to my eyes, they were good defensively with him. But their the, best defensive unit was with Mitrovic at five, right? And now you have these two bigs, Petrushev and Kuzmich, against Fener mm. because you were short of options. They actually played in the same lineup. Petrushev played as a, as a four. So offensively, it's fine. It will give you some second-chance points and, and post-ups. But defensively, it, will it could be a struggle. Will Dozenedovic and Petrushev, <laughs> it's not a recipe for a good, let's say, good defense. You know, it's hard to... Probably not. We'll see what Dushko is capable of doing with this team. And we've heard the comments from Igor Akoshevich saying that Dushko is the right man for the job. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay. What, what is his, you know, this is a thought probably not for the pod, but what is his record when coming in as a replacement coach? Oof. You know, I don't know. Because last two times he was uh, entering Basconia and they didn't do that well uh, i'm just thinking didn't he win the spanish league the covid spanish league yeah when he, he joined the team in the middle of the season but still it was that was that season. was a single elimination final eight yeah or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that uh, well I more think or less his 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 first two spells in in vittoria were kind of good uh, some of them some of these seasons were great they went to the final four mm. in, in 2005 uh, he was coaching there for five years. Then he came back after Barcelona in, in, in 2008. And from that point, sort of went downhill. Nothing special in Panathinaikos. Nothing special with Himki, Besiktas, a FIBA Champions League team. They didn't do nothing. And then these two years in Basconia were probably saved by this... Um, Pandemic title, I would say, but in Euroleague, they didn't make the playoffs. So I'm not sure. 
Yeah, maybe they so. didn't make the playoffs, but they had a winning record at least, eighteen and sixteen. Yeah, that was one season where they finished strongly in the in the second half of the regular season. I do remember that. Yeah, so not we're not sure. If but it's a funny <laughs> thing that I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's a funny thing that last year Dusko Ivanovic was fired on November fifteenth. Now this year in. on November fourteenth or. 13th, 13th. He, he's announced as the new head coach of Cervenas Vezda. So basically, uh, exactly a year after being fired, now he's replacing his colleague that was fired. Let's yeah. go to the last part. Yeah, the last part is related to some big money in Europe. Uh, we just published, okay, we not just, we two weeks ago, we published the highest paid year league players list. Uh, tough. Top 15, what would be your, uh, and you can find this article on, on basketnews.com, what would be just your first general reactions? There might be some underpaid, there might be some overpaid players. I remember you made fun of some Virtus contracts, right, before the pod. <laughs> I mean, Marco Bellinelli is making the big bucks. Uh, 1.7 million euros. We have to mention that this is the... Uh, last year of his three-year contract he signed yeah. with Virtus, so it was connected to the fact that Virtus tried to go to the EuroLeague through the EuroCup. Bellinelli was just coming back from the NBA, so, yeah. you know, it's they kind of have to go through this painful experience right now because because of, of timing. Let's it, was, it was impossible to sign him without these 1.7 million a year. Yeah, probably. The same as with Milos Tadosic, he gets around 1.6, which is also a big amount of money. Yeah, other than that, I'm not too surprised about anything. Um, well, Fenerbahce really paid Scotty Wilbekin, making him top four highest play, uh, paid player in the league, more than Mike James or Will Clyburn. But most of these salaries probably make sense according to the roles that these players have in their teams. Uh, obviously, uh, Barca signed Sotoransky and Vesely to be um, key players. They're still not probably 100% that they need more time, but, well, Barca's paying Vesely and Sotoransky 3.5 million as replacements for Davis and uh, Kaleidis. So, everything... Kind of works out. I don't know. It's just Mike James at two. You know, while Nicolo Melli is making two million, Nick Kaladis is making two million, Will Clyburn making two million. Are these like salaries after taxes? Uh, yes. I guess so. Yes, after taxes. Okay. And so it's different. It's different to get two million in Monaco and it's different uh, to get paid by two million in Spain, for example. And especially mm. when Mike James played in Spain already, he's uh, treated by a different tax system, which means uh, that for Barca, for Real Madrid, you know, they would have, to, they would need to spend around four million euros. Monaco uh, can spend way less uh, for, for, for the signing. And it's also, for example, uh, there is Satoransky and Vesely. They're getting around the same amount of, of, of money, 1.8, 1.7. But the thing is that Barca spends on Satoransky way more because he played in Spain already seven years. Vesely is rookie in Spain. And the taxation for Vesely is just around 15 or 18 percent uh of, of of the contracts. And and then for, for Satoransky, the taxation rate goes to around 50 percent. Okay. So he he's he's Vesely is way cheaper player for Barca than than Sotransky. So there are these nuances, let's say, which also um, 
um, kind of uh, makes a big impact of uh, on, on this list. The same with Vilbikin. He he gets 2.4 because he's playing in Turkey. In in Barca, Barca was also after him. I really believe that they couldn't uh, afford, you know, paying 2.4 net because the full gross contract was just too big for them. So this is this is really diff- a difficult thing in, in in Europe this taxation thing, but let's play this game. We have 5 million euros and we can sign as many players as we want. Uh, and we have to take into account 5 million euros because we have Nikola Mirotic as the best paid player in, in the EuroLeague and he gets around 5 million euros. Um, mm. Who would you sign? Which players would you sign or you just would go all in with Mirotic? <laughs> so you Probably can, not. You, you can have Mirotic alone or Satoransky, Bellinelli and Schengelia in your team already, right? 5 million, uh, I, I yeah. think we should have... Just to start the team. You should know? have at least 6 million so we could sign three players. But with five, I still have to go with two players. I go with Will Clyburn. And Mike James. Mike James, and I save 1 million euros. <laughs> for Kyle Hines, for example, because I think he gets something like that. Yeah, for somebody. That was so it, easy. It, it's really not like. worth it in Europe to spend so much money on one player. Uh, it's not like you bring Cristiano Ronaldo and you you know that you're gonna get the money back from the, you know ticketing from merchandise from from everything. No, it's not. You mentioned the wrong. You're just guy. losing a lot at of the money. moment. At it was the, the worst moment. example <laughs> possible. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the hype Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> no, 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 I'm just no, saying no, that you don't know. Madrid. It's yeah. a very bad time. You don't know what happened yesterday. <laughs> like, the worst timing. My last football memory comes to the moment where Cristiano Ronaldo was really great. So uh, um, that was the idea I'm, of Mirotic. I'm, there was no way to I'm bring him to Europe. I'm not discussing his greatness. I'm yeah. just saying that literally yesterday there was an interview with Piers Morgan where Cristiano Ronaldo went out against Manchester I actually United. read that interview. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. Oh, okay. <laughs> what happened in football field that he came out with this interview? Uh, uh, basically, Manchester doesn't want him to play anymore. He's not in the starting lineup because he is not the right player for the system and he's not that great anymore. He's not part of the project. So yeah. he's Miller Stodosic of Manchester United at the moment, moment or I even There are too many things to, yeah. to explain in in this situation. I think they're... He wants out and Manchester keeps him, but he's not playing. And at the same okay. time you want out, but there's no one that can afford you. So like mm. there are no clubs that can actually sign you. Okay, uh, It happened in the summer. He didn't leave in the summer, so it's complicated. I cannot compare <laughs> this to any basketball situation. Like, mm. I, I I don't know if Shara starts benching Mirotic and Mirotic goes to uh, Catalan radio to give an interview about Shara's being the worst coach and Barca being a bad club. I should have never left Madrid. Maybe, but still on a lower <laughs> scale. <laughs> or Sharas or Sharas or uh, doesn't play Mirotic for the whole game, and then with one minute and the result being <laughs> yeah, plus fifteen, in says, the trash minutes. Hey Miro, get you're in, in brother. your time. You're in, and, and, sh- and Miro goes straight to the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. It did happen on one occasion, but also uh, uh, part of the problem is thirty-seven-year-old superstar not being able to accept that he's not as good as he once was. What would be the analogy in the EuroLeague? Milos Teodosic then. 
probably I don't know. He's still winning games. Some yeah. some of them. Now it's a bad timing to talk about his limits. <laughs> he kind of won the game I, for Virtus. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't think that's that there's anything to compare. But okay, so you take uh, I, I take my James with Clark. I mean, I was looking at this top. list, and uh, it was so obvious you are going to take these two. They're friends. They're uh, friends. Yeah. So and they they've played together already. They have a certain bond. So. Donatus, what do you have? Mm, my list would be kind of the same, really, because you just save money. Uh, mm. They're cheap by by the standards, and you're getting extra third guy on the on your yeah. team, and you're covering all the positions with ball handler, with forward, and with center, as Kyle Hine is, for example. So there's no way I'm I'm paying for Mirotic or even Shane Larkin. Uh, as as great as he is, because there are so many good alternatives with even Wilbekin, uh, Mike James. Uh, probably there's Sasha Vezenkov somewhere uh, below this list. list. So I'm, I'm I mean, underpaid. you can just get Vasily Mistich and Sasha Vezenkov, for example. So Sasha is underpaid, but probably his next contract should be more adequate. But he just signed a three-year contract last year, I think, right? Really? So that was a bad timing for that long-term contract. Well, maybe he just loves Olympiacos. And Olympiacos definitely loves him. Uh, okay, there was a contract extension last year, three years, about for about 2.7 million euros for all three years. What? Wow. Wow. <laughs> <How much laughs> That's a steal. Wait, wait. 2.7. You mean? For three years? You mean Vazenkov yeah. is not getting a million euros per year? Ouch. Uh, Ouch. So Tarnika Shingeli is making almost twice than Mazenko. According to Gazeta, the agreement between the two sides essentially includes an extension of the existing one and a total salary of about 2.7 euros for three years, starting this season. <gasps> so I'm taking oh Kostas Lucas, uh, Walter <laughs> Tavares, and uh, Sasha Mazenko. Oh my God. What? It's it's like Jalgris could afford him <laughs> at this rate. It's like Just Don't, don't sign Brasdakis, add some money. <laughs> My God. I mean, Mike James doesn't do discounts on his services, and Vizenkov <laughs> does a 50% discount to Olympiacos. They have to uh, renegotiate this contract. Man. Well, maybe he goes to the NBA right now uh, and he will get paid over there. Yeah. What do you think about his NBA potential? I would love to see him there. I mean, we all would, but I mean, I think, is you know, defensively he would be a target, but offensively in the regular season, he would be such player that could elevate your team's level because he just would be more and much more energetic than anyone else on the court just by his running. And also he can score every time he can score, whether it's a spot-up shot, uh, a cut, baseline cut, any situation he can score. Probably in the NBA, he would be seen as a small forward, I guess. Mm. I would like to see that. Maybe he had an opportunity already to go last summer. I'm not sure. Mm. There were some talks uh, about him and the Kings, mm. but uh, but know, yeah, they just didn't happened. hit the button. I mean, if Nemanja Bjelica made a name for himself in in the NBA, I don't see why Sasha couldn't. Of course, Nemanja left the Euroleague as the MVP, and who knows. He might I'm follow his saying, path. I'm just he saying, might follow his path. 
That's all, folks, right? Yep. Thanks That's a lot for, for, for watching. Uh, one quick reminder, follow us on basketnews.com uh, and also please subscribe our channel and press like button because it's really important. And of course, join our BN Plus community on basketnews.com slash plus. You will find all the links on the description, including this highest paid uh, yearly players list uh, to curse or to, you know, make yourself happy with some of the salaries these players are getting. Probably Olympiakos fans are really happy with, with Sasha Vizenkov contract. So anyway, uh, see you next week. This week I'm going to Istanbul to watch one amazing game, FS Barca, and one Fenerbahce and Panathinaikos experience. So we'll see how that goes. Not so bad. Not, not, not that bad, yeah. Panathinaikos just won the game against this top hot Basconia team. They scored almost 100 points. So we'll see where it goes, actually. A lot of EuroLeague action and a lot of things to, to be discussed next week. See you.